Abe Cruz went from a small apartment where he remembers picking roaches, yes, I said roaches, out of his cereal before he eats it, to lighting up scoreboards in junior high and high school and getting calls from NCAA Division I universities. His beginnings were very humble, but along the way, pride and greed set in, and he found himself being arrested on a highway in Oklahoma one night by the DEA. After an encounter with God in prison, he now has an international clothing brand called Forever Faith. Come on, let's do a background check on Abe Cruz. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and and not be afraid to say, "Go, go ahead. Check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. Man, thank you for listening today, whether you're listening from a prison or jail cell, whether you're listening on the road, whether you're listening at home, whether you're listening while you're working out, man, get that extra set in, do it one more time for Background Check Podcast. Hey, listen, today's uh, podcast, as always, is brought to you by Forgiven Felons, uh, helping people with a past realize their future. We are in the process of uh, transitioning from reentry housing to a resource center where we're going to be able to help a ton, a lot more people. And if you want to know more about that, go to ForgivenFellows.org. Check out the website. Look at, there's so many stories and different things you can read on the website. If you want more information uh, outside of that, just check out the contact page and give us a call or shoot us an email. Well, happy Memorial Day weekend. You got plans? What are you going to do this weekend? I know we got to celebrate my uh, seven-year-old's birthday because it was at the beginning of May and we didn't get a chance to celebrate it. So we're going to kind of have that party. And then, well, I don't know, we may cook out a Memorial Day. But I do want to take time to say thank you uh, to, to all the families that have loved ones and relatives that lost their life while they served. I know that's what Memorial Day is all about. And so we remember the lives that were lost serving our country. Thank you. Thank you to all the families that have loved ones for what your loved one did for, for my freedom. All right, so Background Check Podcast, what are we doing here? What are we doing at Background Check Podcast? Why are we here? Why do we exist? You know, uh, when I first got out of prison, it was all about the background check. Everything I did, I couldn't even be on my mom's will because the background check said I was a felon and I couldn't execute my mom's will. I couldn't get an apartment. I couldn't get jobs. The background check is just so, it's it's horrible. It can be. It's a negative connotation almost all the time. But we want to turn it into a positive. I want you to check my background. I want, I want to check your background. <laughs> and I want everybody to be able to say, I'm not afraid to have my background checked. You know, I mean, we should be open and transparent. And uh, I think that's the best way anyway. But listen, that's what we do. We, we share stories. We've had CEOs. We've had couples, we've had recovery center directors, we've had lawyers, judges, 
state representatives, CEOs of multi-million dollar companies, and we've had a blast. We've really, truly had a blast. I've enjoyed every guest that has come on the show. June 4th will be exactly a year. We launched June 5th in 2020, so June the June 4th show, uh, which will be next week, will be our one-year show, and it's actually going to be a part two of today's episode. All right, this episode is going to be part one, and next week is going to be part two. This guy, this guy named Abe Cruz, is incredible. And I tell you what, we sat and talked about his story, and I asked him questions, and it went really long. So I just decided instead of trying to cut things out, we're just going to make it a two-parter. So today you're going to hear part one of the Abe Cruz story. And it's incredible. This man has a, a, a an international clothing brand called Forever Faith, and it all started in prison. And I mean, it's it's got so many twists and turns and plot twists, and and we're gonna leave you hanging at the end of this episode because the part two is just as good, maybe even better. I don't know, but you got to listen to part one first. So without any further ado, uh, he's an author, he's a business owner, entrepreneur. He's uh, making some waves up there in Oklahoma legislation. He's having lunch and, and doing events with the governor, and it was just an honor. I went up to see my son in Oklahoma, and that's when I did this interview with Abe. So let's welcome to the show Mr. Abe Cruz with Forever Faith. All right, Abe Abraham Cruz, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate you for having me. Thank you. This is, uh, on background check, what we are all about is the word background has such a, or background check has such a negative connotation. You know, when we both got out of prison, right? you right. know, I've given away some of your story already, but when we yeah. both got out of prison, um, we both were offered jobs and we, we, we probably qualified for them and were overqualified or we were going to get them right, until right. they did a background, background check. Background check, yeah. yeah. And... When my wife and I got engaged and she said, I want to live in these apartment complexes, I said, okay, I'll try. And she didn't know what I meant by that because she's never been in trouble. Mm, right, right. And so they wouldn't let me live there. They wouldn't let us live there right, because right. of the background check. Wow. Now, eventually I went back to them and said, this is not who I am anymore. Right. I'm not a felon. I'm a forgiven felon. Right. And they changed their mind. We went up the chain and they oh, changed wow. their mind Amen. and let us live there. That's awesome. They ended up being crappy apartments. You know, because it said luxury, and we really wanted to live there. <laughs> but they ended up being sorry. They were they were cheaply built. Uh, yeah. Weather stripping, what even on the doors? False advertisement. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. So, but anyway, but what I know, what I know then, what I knew at that point was that sometimes um, things aren't meant for us to have. Right. Of course. And and then sometimes God wants us to push that door open a little bit. Right, right. You know, and so I pushed the door open. I said, look, this is, you're disqualified me because of this, but that's not who I am anymore. And I let us live there. So, um, Amen. so background check, I wanted to turn it into something positive. And that's why we have this show. Amen. We're almost a year in now. Congratulations. Every week. Thank yes. you. Every week we have brought somebody on. Uh, there's been a few solo episodes where I just talk about challenges or things that we yeah, have or yeah. my story or whatever. But for the most part, I bring guys on, guys and gals like you who have risen above their background. Right. And in the tagline, it says your background shouldn't hold you back. It right. should pay you back. Right. Amen. You yes. know, yes. I mean, Absolutely. the thief, the thief came to steal and kill and destroy, but God wants to, you know, give us all that back. So man, it's an honor to be here. 
Thank you. And Thank you. tell us who you are now. Tell us who Abe Cruz is now. Everything you're doing now, your family, your business, your brand, you know, everything. The one thing that I, well, first off, I always give thanks and praise to God, right? Amen. Like we give him the glory because uh, without him, we would not be here today having this. So uh, congratulations to you on everything that you're doing. I saw a number of your podcasts, and that's why, you know, when we connected, I said, absolutely want to be on there. You're doing something powerful and positive to move people into a better direction of life. And, um, you know, myself, yourself, we're not allowing that negative connotation of convicted felon or our background to hold us back. That I, no, that that's not it at all. Um, so congratulations with that. Keep doing that. Keep moving forward because each and every day is a blessing that Amen. we continue to give our testimony to to help inspire somebody. Um, Abraham Cruz, Abe Cruz. I, I just I tell people I'm just a son of the Lord. I'm just that's it. Um, I'm just so grateful to be here because, as you said, I, you know, I was in prison for... Now, you, now, your brother's name is David, right? My brother's name is David. Did, did, did your mom and dad purposely yes. name you Bible Bible yes. characters? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. My sister's name was Martha. Wow. The whole, you know, it's it's a crazy story, and we get into that in, in, in the book and, and in my life, but um, my mom was that, that force behind God yeah. introducing it. So at an early age, I, I was already living into into that world maybe i wasn't following it i wasn't right. deep into it but i i knew about it um I, i'm a son of the lord i'm just here to carry out his mission at this point right now it's that simple so so your parents named you uh bible characters martha david and, and abraham uh did they ever tell you like why they did that or just my mom was a, a big believer that we're here to serve god and 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 that was our mission you know you know, we're here for them. So, you know, my mom's from Mexico, kind of uh, old school kind of mentality, but obviously just a great heart, hard worker, um, you know, but there's a lot to say about that. You know, we'll get into that because one of the things that I, I focus on now is the mindset of a champion, right? Mindset of a champion. And what I say is you can't develop the mindset of a champion until you put God first and yourself second. And, and the mindset of the cha of champions is your, is your, slogan your motto it, for your business it's part of the brand so let's tell us tell us about the brand what the, you what do you do what does the brand do what do you do as a business as if you have you know so the whole thing started from prison though right i have over 200 documents from prison prison commissary paperwork um request of staff medical um, paperwork where i would write out messages and that's where the story starts and i can't we'll, we'll talk about yeah, it we, will. I, we we'll have get to get that. why we get into it but yeah. now we're clothing we're supplements we're jewelry i just wrote the book i'm already um and the book is is full of so many neat things and it has some pictures of of that business plan yes uh, yes yes and and so uh this whole the whole reason for me doing this is to get to know abe but also to get you to to get our listeners to buy his book and and we want people to to read the story so they can understand some of the similarities as you stated there's a lot of similarities yeah. that you and i have growing yeah. up and the real the reality is we all do because yeah. statistically there's not that many millionaires in, right. growing up in the United States. So we're all we're all born into some kind of struggle, some kind of poverty, a level of poverty, whether it's us living off of food stamps, which we did, um, or it's you barely getting by. And my 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 father left when I was four. So my mom, we were living on food stamps. Yeah. And I remember when I wrote this in the book, I was picking roaches mm. out of my cereal at ten and eleven years old. 
the whole message and the whole inspiration comes from prison when I was at a rock bottom. So there's so many similarities in the book, but the brand is just a message. Forever Faith, mindset of champions. I don't believe you can have the mindset of a champion until you put God first and yourself second. That's so good. Um, so yeah, so, so now it's it's a number of things. Like you said, the book, and, and we're already in the process of turning the book into a movie script. But you nice. got to get the book, yes. obviously, before the movie comes out. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so... Let's go back to your childhood, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, single mom. Single mother. Uh, yep. Growing up, I remember reading in the book at one point where you said you were uh, working out in front of the TV. And <laughs> yeah. that's kind of where your fitness journey started, right? It, it really did, yeah. Um, so so what was your childhood like? Tell us a little bit about that. You know, Remember talk about TJF the... Friday? Thank yeah. God it's Friday. Yes, yes. They had Family Matters and a couple of different shows on Friday nights. So I would spend my Friday nights watching TJF and in between every show I would work out. I would do push-ups, I would do sit-ups and I would do calf raises. Nice. And eventually I got a pull-up bar and I would start doing pull-ups. And we started this at the age of 9 and 10. Wow. So by the time I was like 10, 11, I was I was you knocking them out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was knocking them out. I was doing everything um but my mom, she would, you know, buy us some pizza. Um, I, it was uh, Little Caesars, I think, was the cheapest it's pizza. It's hard we could to out train a bad diet, isn't it? <laughs> it is. In fact, every trainer says you can't out train a bad diet. It's the truth, so. and we don't realize that till we're older. Yeah. But at eleven and twelve, we can kind of get away with it. But yeah. um, no, that was my 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 growing up was, you know kind of that was normal so, to me so it was rough and 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 in the book you go through all those ups and downs yeah uh but one of the things that kept you really held together was your uh your love for sports my love for sports so talk about where that started how yeah, how yeah. it grew into yeah almost going pro um yeah so you know pl playing outside and you know just the the parking lots or the churches or the parks or whatever i was always playing with the older kids i was 10 and 11 and I was playing with the grown men already at that age. So I, it was already understood that, man, I'm a lot better than than most of the kids my age because right. they're not playing. They're they're inside playing Sega Genesis or they're doing something else. Um, so I was playing sports and um, my seventh grade year, I'll share this with you because it, it all kind of relates, but my seventh grade year, I had such bad acne that I was so embarrassed to go to school. Wow. So I didn't go to school. I literally dropped out. And I would go to the park every day and I would train. Yeah. I would run sprints. I would shoot free throws. I would throw the football. Um, I would do everything in athletics for just training. Because and you were on a team at this point as well, well at, right? At this point, um, at this point, no. You hadn't you hadn't started playing. I had or not yet? organized sports. Okay. Not organized. So this was right before. This is right before. Um, what ended up happening that year was my first year at the boys and girls club. And I remember because they said, well, you're not going to qualify to play. You don't you don't have grades. You, you can't do anything. And um, I ended up, like I said, I missed over 300 days of school. Ooh. I went to the Boys and Girls Clubs about 2.30, 3 o'clock. And that's where I would show up to practice with my first team. This is the first team ever. Yeah. And I was 11, but I was playing with the 12 and 13-year-olds. Yeah. Um, so I went in there, horrible acne. Everyone made fun of me all the time. I was wearing my Payless shoes. Um, they had holes in the bottom. I would wear seven or eight socks, and I would tell people Oof. that's my style. Just style, yeah. But it's because I had holes in the bottom of my shoes, and my feet would get ripped up and start bleeding. So that was kind of my cover mm. up. Um, so I missed seventh grade, excelled in basketball, played football for the first year. 
my first year in football, we went like 14 and 0. They gave me the hand, they gave me the nickname Hands. I was playing wide receiver and um had a great year. And then this is when things had kind of came to kind of a, uh, a my biggest blessing, right? Yeah. You can't have a blessing without the disaster. Right, right. So Absolutely. what ended up happening was by the end of the seventh grade year, we got, you know, our phone calls, report cards. Your son has missed 300 days of school. What'd your mom do? So <laughs> my mom didn't know. So she yeah. was embarrassed so and sad and upset all time. at the same time. But the way it happened was somebody had come to the Boys and Girls Club to ask the head of the boys and girls clubs, hey, we're I'm starting this traveling ball team and I'm looking for 11-year-olds. Do you have any good 11-year-olds? Well, the head of the place, his name was Javier. He said, man, I think I got the best 11-year-old that we've ever seen. And he connected me with Oscar Cepeda, who is like an incredible father figure to me. He's in the book. He approached me. He said, hey, young man, would you like to play travel ball? I didn't even know what that meant. At this point, you know, I, I was yeah. in poverty. I'd never really been out of my city. And now he's talking about traveling. We go to Palm Springs. We go to San Diego. We go to Las Vegas. We, you know, travel. Yeah. I, I'd never traveled. So he he says, um, I'll pick you up. I'll take you. Because I said, well, my mom doesn't really have time to take me. She says, oh, don't worry. I'll help you. I'll, I'll talk to your mom. So he ends up meeting my mom, says he'll take me to practice, this and that. But when it's time now to get ready for the school year, this is where things that happen. You know, my seventh grade is, um, you know, my seventh grade is about to come to an end. But my basketball coach, after, you know, we start traveling, like I said, we went to San Diego, Las Vegas. I was ranked in Slam Magazine. Slam Magazine as one of the top 11-year-olds in the country. Wow. By this time, I had already been to Vegas and San Diego, and we played in some national um, tournaments. So Slam Magazine calls me one of the top three guards at 11 and under. And That's by the, amazing. By the time the school year ended, my basketball coach says, I think it'd be great for you to continue your education over here at this school. Yeah. It was a Catholic school. Yeah. And he says, it's great education. You're going to move on to a great high school. You're going to move on to a great college, and eventually you're you know, you're going to be in the pros. It was already planted. What'd in my you think about that when he said that? I, I didn't know what to think because I didn't know anything else. But up to that point, everything he had told me had came true. Had so come you true. had no reason not to. I believe had no him. reason not to. I, di I didn't understand. You know, uh, we didn't have money to go to Vegas and he made it happen. We didn't have money to go to San Diego. He made it happen. At 11, you don't know right. these things, yeah, yeah. but he made it happen. He bought me new pairs of shoes so I didn't have holes in the bottom. Um, so when he said, Abe, we want you to come to this school, to me, I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. But I had the reality to say, I just flunked the seventh grade. I didn't go to school. This is where he comes and talks to my mom. He lets him know. He had to let my mom know. Um, there's some stuff we have to do, but Abe flunked the seventh grade and... You know, we, we got to get him back on track. And, um, you know, my mom pretty much just put it in my hand. She prayed about it. She says, are you sure you can trust this man and, and everything like that? So Yeah, in the book, when I was reading it, it, it seemed like she had some really big hesitation about it at first. But it seemed like she kind of, you know, I mean, I think y'all prayed about it too. But I think she really kind of left it in your hands too, like. You know, and that's a lot. That's kind of a big decision to uh, to leave it on eleven year old. Yeah. Well, she asked me if I trusted him. Did I believe him? And you know, at this point, I'm probably playing with him now for the last six months. And I met all the kids. I'm going to be going to school with all the kids on the traveling team. So we're all acquainted. We we were winning. Um, at that point, it was nothing that I had never experienced a emotional 
high. Right. Like, wow. Yeah. You know, sports gives you that emotional feeling, winning games and, and winning three-pointers and all those kinds of things. So um, when he said, let's go do this, I, I told my mom, I said, Mom, this could be the opportunity of a lifetime. You can't afford to pay for private school. Right. So it was a blessing, and I went off so now, to go play. At what point does Ken Mendoza come into play? Because, <laughs> you know the whole book, <laughs> because, dude. I'm telling you. Yeah, you um, know the whole book because that's a huge. He played a huge part. He did. We did, uh, and we in, skipped in, that right now. So I'm gonna go back and share that. Okay, because I was like, did we skip it? In my yeah. mind, I was like, did we skip it, or does he no, come no. in right you're about right. this time? You're right. You're so, right. So, so talk about talk about because. Big it's Brother important. Big Sister is yes. a great organization. Absolutely. Uh, but, Which we need to do stuff with. Yes. Yes. And so uh, so talk about how how Ken impacted your life. So my father left when I was about four, right? Four or five years old. and never spoke to him since. I haven't yet since. I still I pray for him. I love him. I hope he's doing well. Um, but he left. So my mom was forced to now raise me, my brother, and my sister. So three of us in a one-bedroom apartment. And um, I think it was probably about the age of eight, maybe okay. eight or nine. My mom said, I have to do something for you boys because this is too difficult. And my sister, right? And um, my mom put us in boys. Uh, no, this is when first um, big brother, big sister organization. So Ken Mendoza ended up being my big brother. And he, he went to UCLA, graduated from UCLA. So actually, as we get into the story, he's the one that took me out of the hood. Right. Because he showed me UCLA. Yeah. He showed me what the Rose Bowl was. Yep. So I lived on the north side of Pasadena where I didn't I never heard of the Rose Bowl. Now all of a sudden we're going through Old Town Pasadena. We're we're eating at restaurants in Old Town Pasadena and then we're off to the Rose Bowl for a game. Yep. So he showed me that and he was a he was a huge incredible part of my athletic world because at that point uh, at school, maybe I played some sports, right. you know, and that's why I'm saying I didn't yeah. play till I was like 11. Yeah. So at eight and but nine, he got you in front he of got, the games. Exactly. After every uh, UCLA game, we would go out to the field or, or to the the, um, the Rose Bowl. We parked outside on the golf courses. So he would take us out there and we'd throw the Nerf ball or the football and we'd play local with any local kids that were there. We would just go play two on two, three on three. What a and great he would, big brother. He Yeah, he would play the all-time quarterback for both teams and um and that's it yeah he was so, a so, huge part so now you you you're in high school and let's talk about your sports in high school uh you had some really big ups and downs as well yeah yeah, yeah. some times of uh humiliation or humbling all of the above. uh so talk about how how escalated your yeah. your name got and um uh, and <laughs> well, talk about a few of the the downers from 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 Ken Mendoza starting me off to Oscar getting me you know, into now a set schooling. I've gotten to the Catholic school. Um, my seventh grade and eighth grade year, my seventh grade year, we went 38-0 in football. Wow. I, I scored 107 touchdowns. And in basketball, we went 52-2. and two. The eight, My eighth grade year, we ended up winning all of the CIF or all the CYO in, in, in um, basketball, lost in the championship in football. Then we go to high school, and Oscar tells me, you're going to have an incredible high school career. You just need to follow my footsteps. So I ended up going to St. Paul High School, a Catholic school, and um, my freshman year. Now, it wasn't all just – I don't want to say it was all just incredible. As soon as I got there, I was placed on the varsity basketball team. Okay. However, 
I had to pay my dues. And the senior point guard wanted to make sure that he made it a point that, hey, I'm not cool with the freshman coming in here to yeah. just take my spot. It's yeah. not going to happen. Um, Daniel Rangel, he, I call, he's like a big brother. He was a big brother because we ended up having a really good relationship towards the end of the season. But at the beginning, it was war. Yeah, We were oh, fighting yeah. with each other at practice, and, and, and he was stronger than me. He was a senior. I was a freshman. <laughs> he taught me so much and how to humble myself right. and, and be calm. And I played with a bunch of seniors. So he was a senior. But later on in the year, you know, I wasn't starting. I was sad. I was frustrated. At one point, I wanted to leave. I said, I told Oscar, I said, I don't know if I should be here. I'm on the bench. I've never, I don't know what that, what is that? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Why am I better than him? I should be on the, on starting right away. He said, Abe, you have to calm down. You have to pay your dues. This is part of the process. Yeah. This is, this is life. So at any point, uh, at any point, did you start thinking, man, just put me on JV so I can get some playing time. I went through that. I, I got on varsity very quick in all four sports, all three sports. Um, but, but basketball, I got less playing time as a freshman and sophomore on, on the basketball than I did football mm. and baseball. Cause I was stud at football and baseball yeah. basketball though. I mean, I, I just told the varsity coach one time and I wish I hadn't, but I told him, I said, Hey, just put me back down JV. Cause I, I want to score 30, 40 points a game. I want to play all the time. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, and I wish I hadn't, but he did, Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, that humbled me after that. Cause I was like, man, maybe this is too easy. I need to challenge myself, you know? So did, did you ever have any of those thoughts? I, I never thought that, but what I ended up thinking is I was just going to transfer. Okay, I said, I could have gotcha. played, I could play varsity at any other school. Gotcha. Um, but I think I would have went through the same thing. Right. They would have put me up against their older guard and then made me pay my dues. It, it wasn't even a matter of whether he's good or not. It's you just, you're a freshman. It's just, yeah. you got to pay your dues. But Oscar told me to have patience, have faith, get in there, work hard. And in a very short amount of time, even though I wasn't starting, I was getting more playing time now yeah. than the starting guard. And then that ended up transitioning into me playing more, more, me making a couple key plays in a couple of our victories. And before you knew it, by midseason, I was starting. And I was a starting point guard on the varsity, and I led us all the way to the playoffs. Um, we went to the playoffs, won in the playoffs, went all the way to CIF championship in we won the CIF championship. I got a ring. I don't have it now. An old girlfriend has it. I don't know who or where, but it's out there somewhere. I need the Abe Cruz CIF championship ring. So if anyone has it, I don't know where it's at. Oh, um, man. But great. we won the championship, and it was all worth it. It yeah. was all part of the journey. And um, So so in high school, you made a name for yourself. Yeah. Uh, but, but college was a little bit harder. So let's talk about why. Why? What happened to you in your life? That made college a little harder. High school was was a lot. Uh, we 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 won the CF championship my freshman year, my sophomore year. I, I know I'm I'm getting to your question, but I'm, yeah, I'm going no, that's through good. The, I'm going through the come journey. back through come back through the ups and downs. A few of the ups and downs, just highlight them. Yeah. And uh, my sophomore year, as I got moved up for football, I got hit in the private parts. First, first, like the I even cringed when I read that in the book. I cringed <laughs> myself. I'm like, yeah, oh. yeah. I I hit somebody so hard. I torpedoed them. Their their legs flipped up and kicked me in the crotch. And I, you know, I didn't wear a, a, a cup yeah. back then. I did after None that. None of us did back then. Yeah, not too many did. So I got kicked and and swelled up, mm. and I couldn't walk for a while. Um, I iced myself, and anyway, I was out for a few games for the season. Um, we ended up losing early on in the season. Didn't didn't make much of an impact. But came back my next year. 
my junior season, and we I was a uh, we had an incredible start. We ended up going fourteen and two. We went to the CIF championship. I had uh, thirteen interceptions in ten games. So I had an incredible junior season. I was being recruited by Notre Dame, USC, UCLA, everybody, Nebraska. I remember I was at lunchtime on the phone speaking with you know Notre Dame's coach or, or uh, Florida State, you yeah. know, and that same year. Because I was being highly recruited, and this is where lessons I teach people, yeah. I started falling asleep in class. Yeah, I was so tired from training, I would fall asleep in class, but by the time it was time for basketball, I flunked and I went below a two-point. came ineligible. I came in el ineligible for basketball season, yeah. for the playoffs. And it was heartbreaking, um, horrible situation. How did that impact your team? Everybody was pissed because we we absolutely we went all the way to the CIF semifinals without me to the okay. semifinals. So they did have some success without oh, you. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But in the end, they lost because you weren't there. We didn't. We would have won everything. We would have went to the state and probably yeah. won state tournament. Been one of the top teams in the country. Did that allow you to come to any new revelation or realization in your life at that well, point? Or you know, you still... you hit a, a point of humility and you're sorry and you're sad and you're like, oh my god, I let everybody down. Um, now that I'm older, I look through all these journeys. Yeah. They're all they're all lessons, right? Yeah. They're all lessons of the chaos. Now, what 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 uh, sport and what season was it when you? Um... When you wouldn't shut the window, and your mom, <laughs> your mom told your coach you couldn't play. <clears throat> that was my eighth grade year. Eighth grade year, okay. CYO flag football, and remember my my seventh grade year, we went thirty eight and zero. Wow, yeah. CIF championship, and I scored one hundred and seven touchdowns. So the eighth grade year, we were defending champions. Yeah, yeah. I didn't close the window because my mom wanted it closed, and I told her I didn't want it closed, and she yelled at me and punished me and said, you're not playing in this weekend's playoff game. Oh. And she sat me down, and she told Oscar. And Oscar was, he, he was. He backed yeah. her up. Oscar said, hey, you don't were, disrespect your mom. Were you in your mind thinking Oscar would come to your defense? Yeah, I was hoping. <laughs> <laughs> you know, young and dumb, but he said, you don't disrespect your mom. Yeah. You don't do that, and I agree with your mom, and. You're going to come to the game, you're going to sit on the sideline, and you're going to support your team, but you're not playing. Oh, and see, that when I read that, I was like, that's the ultimate humiliation there. Right. Why not? Why can't I just not even go to the game, you know, no. and not have to not have to sit on the bench with my clothes on, no, yeah. have everybody ask what's going on, right. you know? Right, No, Oscar. Because then you got to tell them. <laughs> Oscar was always teaching me lessons from, from when I first met him um, to just here recently, you know, even talking with him on the phone now with everything. I haven't talked to him since um, since the, he has the book. We, we got him the book, but he was always just a, a father figure, a role model, just a really positive, powerful person. So, yeah. So that, right. was, that was eighth grade now, year. Now, at some point in your high school career, uh, was it your high school career? You got an injury? Yes. my Well, I got hurt twice. I hurt, I got kicked yeah, in the that, growing what, my sophomore one? year, but then my senior year, I came into the season as a preseason All-American in football because I had 13 all interceptions. All kinds of offers Everybody, on the table. everybody. everybody I was a blue chipper. Um, I remember doing a photo shoot for the for the paper where they had me behind bars. Crazy, huh? <laughs> when you actually think about Prophetic. me. Yeah. <laughs> it was, they had me behind bars with my helmet on and my gloves, but they called me the Thief of Baghdad because I had 13 interceptions. Wow. So I was just obviously so stealing funny. the ball. But um, that's so, funny when you look back at yeah, your life, right? Because 
long before I went to prison, Shawshank Redemption was one of my favorite movies. Wow, wow. Yeah. And it was like, I was like, how, how did I know I was going <laughs> why to? Why was that my right, favorite right. movie? And why did I end up in prison? But, right. Uh, all right, so, so you, so that, senior, that year. Se- senior year, preseason All-American, trying to figure out where I'm going. Um, first game of the season, I end up, um, before I got hurt, I returned two punts for kickoffs. We were up like by 30 points and a 300 pound lineman came at me on a sweep and I just kind of sidestepped him, but my cleat got stuck in the grass and he landed on my knee. My media collateral ligament literally Mm -hmm. just split open. My leg was just dangling. They said that I had a career. The paper said I was over for, for the whole season right? and potentially my career. I came back in four weeks from the GPA issue the last year to the injury this year and then SATs did not come in any better. <laughs> My SATs did not come in any better. Horrible situation. I didn't even qualify for a Division One scholarship. But but if you hadn't gotten injured, I, I think you probably still would have somehow been able to get those Division One offers. You, there's, there's, um, it's all about who you know and, yeah, and, and yeah, people yeah. willing to help you. And we know. So that at this now. point now, you had all those offers. You're hurt. Your scores are bad. Now now where are you going to college? At this point, I don't know what to do. I'm just lost. I'm confused. I'm sad. But I ended up getting a phone call from a good friend. And he says, Abe, I'm headed to the University of Wisconsin Stout. Send your tape to... I had never heard of that before I read your book. (laughs) He said, send... It's a D3 school. Yeah. He says, send your your highlight tape to Coach Strop, who's the defensive coordinator. Um, I sent him the tape, highlights. He called me back. Abe Cruz, we love to have you. Come on out here. I, no time to visit, nothing. I just, at this point, I didn't know where I was going to go. And I know I wanted to get away from home. I'm, I'm 18. i never really been out except for traveling. But I wanted to just go on and, and yeah. do something. So I ended up going to the uh, University of Wisconsin Stout. Started as a true freshman. Now, I started on offense. And I didn't come into camp in great shape. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come into camp in my in my best shape. So they moved me to, to offense, but it's because we had a, a, a stud secondary. They yeah. were they were really good. They were. I give them their props. They started me at wide receiver, but then I started kicking their butts in, on, in practice. So yeah. I, I got into my form, and I was back to a 4-4-40. And, um, and eventually they moved me to defense, and I, I did very well on defense as well. Um, I had a couple game-winning touchdowns, and we went to the conf- we won conference championship for the first time first in the school's ever, history. Yeah. So in my book, I actually talk about how every school I went to, you, you allowed them to have firsts. We we won our first ever yeah. championship from seventh grade on. That's awesome. Everywhere, yeah. So, yeah. all right. So in in college is where you kind of pick up on the um, on the job that made you a lot of money. And, <laughs> Network uh, marketing. Yes, and so. Uh, we don't have to get into all that, but but that was that was your first taste of of a lot of money. I never had more than maybe fifty bucks in my yeah. wallet, my pocket. Growing so up now before. you're yeah. now you're like you know just you're balling in, in the network marketing thing. Uh, you don't really mention what you were selling, but that's okay. Well, it was internet service. This okay, is, this all right, you did say that. You did say that. Yeah. This, but well, that's what they told us. Right. But we were just getting paid to recruit people. Right. And you make yeah. money. That's uh, so. So you went through that whole thing, and your your um, it, it didn't pan out the way I mean it panned I out dropped financially. Out of school. <laughs> I dropped out of school, dropped out of football because my upline 
told me that I would never make the amount of money they're making if I was in school all right. day and practice right. all day. And and they were making about a hundred grand a month. And the and the process you took that through was that you you didn't really think right that you would probably you wouldn't make it to the pros at, from there. Right. At this so, point I went for, well, so I went, obviously I went to D3 yeah. and I had a, a successful year. Now I was in the middle of discussing transferring to Madison, yeah. Wisconsin, Madison. I, you know, I did fairly well. Um, there was a couple overseas teams I was thinking of doing, but I had already made 20 grand, 30 grand. And I said, wait a minute, I didn't even sweat or do anything and I made this money. I said I could I, these guys are making 100 grand a month yeah. and they're they're in suits and ties and they're driving around in Ferraris and Lamborghinis. I can do that. So your now, coach your coach kind of uh put a ban <laughs> on it on the car or just the, the, something. We, we had the car driving yeah, 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 around yeah. football practice yeah. and coach was pissed. It's like yeah. Cruz you're a distraction to practice now. And they called me hot. Well, first it was Hollywood. Now it was Cruz because I came back from the freshman year to my yeah. sophomore year. I was Hollywood highlights in my hair, earrings on. And then I come back my sophomore year with a briefcase and a suit and tie. And now I'm Cruz. <laughs> I'm the businessman. Oh man. And I became a distraction in practice. Everyone was, was yelling at me and everyone turned on me. Because because they said I was a distraction yeah. to the football yeah. team, which I guess I kind of was because there was I remember in practice there was people talking about what meeting are you going to after practice? You know, this week I made five hundred dollars. Right, right. You know, and so uh, at one point you decided to just follow the money. Yeah, uh, that I, that ticked some of your team off, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, it was actually. I remember the day precisely in practice we were doing hitting drills okay now at this point remember my career i was four, 15 and 1 my freshman season at this time i'm only like 3 games into the season and we're 3 and 0 oh. so i have a, a record of like 15 16 17 18 and like 1 1 18 and 1 in my 2 year season there so it's all success but one day in practice, we were doing hitting drills, and my defensive my defensive back, our captain, Tony Beckham, he went to the pros for a season or two. I don't know how long he was there for, but he was a great player. I give him a lot of props. I was hitting this, the dummy, in practice. I was only 165, 170 pounds, so I wasn't like a big guy. I was hitting it. He, he, everyone kept yelling at me, Cruz, hit it again. Cruz, hit it again. Harder, harder. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I, I am. Like, that's that's me. <laughs> Everyone started yelling at me, and when they picked on me, I, I just I, I literally went from zero to a hundred. Yeah. I took yeah. off my helmet and threw it and said, "I'm done with all, everybody. I'm gone. I don't want to play no more." I I, I, I you, literally you described that moment so well because I I was feeling you, man. I was just like, I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's really gonna do this." And then I and then I knew exactly what was gonna happen, and you and you wrote it out. The coach came, tried to talk you out of it, all that stuff. Yeah. But leaving that, leaving that behind. And you said they were, they were, were they were calling you names that day too? Or? Everybody was just picking on me at that point because now, you know. So you were I, like, why do I need to be here at all? Why do I need to be here? I said, last week I just made 20 grand. What am I in practice for? My guy just told me that I, he's making 100000 a yeah. month. He just told me, you're not going to get on my level because you're at practice. I'm wasting time now. Yeah. And that was on my mind all, all day right. long. So you left. I then, left. Then, then went to the locker room. Did, how long did it take you to make $100,000? I did it probably in the next four to five months. I did it with. I did it all within and seven I months. I can't remember. Did you do some of that there in Wisconsin? All of it. You, all of it was there all in Wisconsin? All of it was in Wisconsin. Well, it was, I, I, when I left school, 
I stayed in the Midwest though. I started going to St. Paul. I started going into other schools. Gotcha. I started probably breaking NCAA, <laughs> uh, you know, yes, laws. Yes. But but I literally I went to I remember I went to a couple schools in Minnesota, a couple schools in Milwaukee. We went to Madison. I one point got suspended from the company because they said that someone called corporate office and complained and said that I was showing off my checks. Because, I, you know, we would go into meetings and the first thing that these college students would say is you're lying. You're not making, you didn't make $7,000 this week. Let us see a check. Okay, well, here's my check. Boom. They have nothing to say, but it also, I learned later, you can't show off your checks to entice people. So there was so mm, much, there was gotcha. so much of a, of a business development that I went through now. I went from dropping out of school to now becoming a self-educated entrepreneur. Yeah. It was all self-development. I started reading Jim Rohn, John C. Maxwell, Les Brown, Tony Robbins. All good um, people, All man. the greats. All great. um, and what I learned from all of them is that they got all their information from Bible principles. Yep. You know, we Absolutely. and Jim Rohn said it the best. He references the good book. He never actually mentions the Bible, but he says from the good book. We learned this and we learned that. So that's kind of what I went on. And uh, I I actually do a lot of John Maxwell. I'm on the John Maxwell team. And, uh, awesome. Yeah. And, and and he said one time somebody, so CEO came to him after hiring him to teach leadership principles right. to their company. Right, right. He said, I got to know where you get these principles. He's like, you don't want to know. It's like, no, I need to know. Well, did you just make them up, come out? You know, what? how did you get all these? He's like, you don't want to know. And he's like, I do. I get them straight from the Bible. He's like, no, you don't. Show me. And John said he went through mm. and showed every verse with every principle. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's a good leadership book. That's 21 for sure. Irrefutable Laws oh, of Leadership. It's a great book. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really... Uh, Developing the Leader Within You 2.0 is the one I'm reading now, mm -hmm. and it's a great book as yes, well. Yes, yes. So, so, oh, man, all right. Well, So we, now I'm we, traveling. We could... We could um, but at some point, you get that call. I get the call. From your upline. I get the call from my upline. I said, Abe... I know you had a couple big months. Save all your money. Uh, the company's gone. It's done. I, we'll be gone in less than a week. What did you Two think? Weeks. What did you think? Well, that? now you know. So at this point, I'm making money. Yeah. But you would hear people talking about, oh, it's a pyramid scam. One of these scams. Like I didn't know what they were referring to. Right. Right. Never, never knew. I, I made money. Now, what I ended up knowing is that over the course of six, seven, eight months, we probably got over three thousand people involved over the Midwest and 95% of them didn't make any money. Right. So that's where you hear about the pyramid scams. At this point I was working, I knew I got a check, I knew what I had to do. You learn a system, okay? Yeah, yeah. Now this this company, they they probably did have an exit strategy, a, a three to four year plan and boom, they're gone. So at this point, you know, I'm buying Louis Vuitton, or actually not Louis Vuitton. At that point, it was Ferragamo. Yeah. We were wearing Ferragamos and everything and, and dressing up. But he says, save your money. Uh, we might do something else. I'll get back to you. But the company's gone. And I was just in shock. I said, what? How could that be? I just, I left my, my dreams of being a professional athlete. I just dropped out of college. Mm. And you're telling me that this company that was, pay, was making money, now it's gone? So I, I was heartbroken, you know, I, I cried, I cried and I didn't know what I was gonna do. Um, and he, they never called me back. I waited a few months, I never got the call back saying, hey, we're gonna do this now. Nothing, they just abandoned, abandoned me, so. So you're used to making lots of money and you wanna do, you wanna, you wanna keep doing that again. You moved back to, back to LA, got, got yeah. involved in the, 
yeah. the party life, the party scene, and uh, and you begin to make more money there. And and so well, it, I made sporadic money. Yeah, it was sporadic, um, and I didn't really think but about always, getting a job. What was interesting to me is you always found a way to to make money. Yeah, that's I love that about you. Is yeah. is like I, I couldn't wait to get to the next chapter to see how how you made money in the next <laughs> chapter. So uh, so what? Okay, without talking about all the party stuff because yeah. I want people to read that in the yes. book. Tell me a couple of downfalls that really were impactful during that time. Um, doing everything, you know, the, the biggest downfall is greed, you know, money and greed. Like everybody wants money, but for greedy reasons. You want, you know, I wanted money. I got used to making making it, but I wanted it for stupid reasons. I wanted it so I could go take out a new girl. I wanted it so I could buy new clothes. I wanted it so I could, you know, buy a new car. I, I wanted it for selfish reasons, yeah. right? And no one teaches us these things when we're growing up, right. you know, we'll go from, from nothing to something. There's no structure. There's no organization. It's just, I have money in my pocket now or my bank account and I can do whatever I want. And I started going to the Playboy Mansion. I spent, I remember one night, I think we did a $5,000 night. I mean, it wasn't even a night. It was like in two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just spending money like it's water. Like, I, like it's so nothing. Would you describe yourself as being addicted to the money, the lifestyle, all all the above, the women, the fancy stuff? Sure. I, I guess there's no other way to do it. But yeah, I guess I was addicted to it. I don't know if I would say I was addicted to it, but I didn't like the, the feeling of being broke. You gotcha. could you, you can be addicted to being broke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's called, so it's called poverty mindset. Poverty mindset. So I knew that I didn't like that feeling. So I just... It felt a little better to have a little bit of money in your pocket to give you some more freedom, some smiles, some some laughter. Yeah. So yes, I was addicted to that feeling. So I was chasing that, and eventually that money ran out. Yeah. And and that's where it's like, okay, well, what's the next thing? You know, we I'm spending you know money on twelve hundred dollar dinners, two people for for dinner. I remember going up to the chart house in Malibu. And we had some lobster tails and some um, stuffed mushrooms and mm. some prime rib. <laughs> <laughs> stuffed mushrooms sounds so good. Yes, yes. Um, so, all right. So at, at some point you find yourself being presented an offer. So, so that money all ran out. That money ran out. And now I'm just thinking to myself, what am I going to do to pick myself back up? Um, I was a struggling actor. You know, trying to do auditions here and there, looking for a big break. That hap didn't happen very often. Um, I went back to training clients at the gym, personal training from 5 a.m. To, to about 10 a.m. That work out for a little bit. And then I would go to the real estate office and I would do loans. I would cold call and I would convert loans or refinance or whatever, right? I would do that most of the day. And then on the weekends, I started... And I got into club promotions. Yep. So now I'm juggling three different things, right? Because So once again, you found a way to make money. It, and, it, and you worked your butt off by doing it. Yes, uh, yes. And, uh, but again, at some point. Well, the, what ends up happening after all of that chaos. Um, now, I never got into drugs. Right. Um, I, I, I would drink and, and that dance. Blew, that blew my mind. To see the lifestyle that you lived. Yeah. But you had the discipline to not get involved in, in drugs. That, that blew my mind. I, you know, admire, I admire you for that. I um, One thing that I saw at an early age was my physique and fitness. I just, I don't know. I just had a sense that I was going to be able to use it for something. And I remember, you know, I mean, you, I saw so many problems from drugs. So now I'm juggling all three jobs 
and I'm barely making enough money. It's not enough to be worth it. And what ends up happening is one night after a club, I'm driving from Orange County back to a client at 5 a.m. So I'm pulling a 24 hour shift, going into 26 hours and just, I'm tired. I fell asleep behind the wheel on the way to the gym for a client and I hit a car. Boom, that was it. When I fell asleep behind the car because I was so tired, I was so exhausted, and I actually realized that I hit a car. Fortunately, I, I you know, no one was hurt. The, the driver was fine. I, I was fine, but my car was a wreck. And I barely had enough money to, to fix it. So I decided not to fix it. <laughs> I didn't want to spend the money I had to fix it. Um, what ends up happening is now, you know, people in my, people I'm around all day long. Because remember, I got a group of people at the gym. I got a group of people at the real estate mortgage office. And then I got a group of nightlife people. Mm -hmm. So now there's three different kinds of people that see me every day. They all knew I got into the accident, the car. So two things ended up happening. I ended up making money the first time at a, at a nightclub and a hard body contest. I made like a hundred bucks for the night where I just take off my shirt and hey, you, I, you got I, I used to live the club life too. Yeah. So they, they would have the wet t-shirt contest, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. then they would have the yeah. hard body, hard body contest. I, I had never qualified for the hard body contest. So no, <laughs> uh, just never had that, that body. You know, I so, could have been that one guy that just knew he was overweight. Just get up there and shake all his flab just to make everybody laugh. You know, uh, I could have been that guy. So I did that one, three or four different clubs. Someone approached me and from Vegas and they said, Hey, come out to Vegas. We'd love to have you audition for this job. It was one of the, I don't know which one it was, Chippendales, but it was one of the dancers, male right. dancers. They said, you can make four or five grand in a weekend. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I ended up taking the drive down to Vegas and I went into the club for the audition. <clears throat> I looked in the back or I was in the back and I looked up front. I saw everybody up there half naked walking around and I left. I turned around, I got in the car, I said, I can't do this. And all I remember was when I was on stage that time before, a bunch of, you know, drunk women yeah. with their mascara all over, sweaty and nasty, screaming and pulling at me. I, I felt wrong. Right. I just felt bad. So I drove all the way to Vegas only to just drive all the way back. When I got back, somebody else approached me and said, hey, Abe. Uh, we know you're in a, a difficult bind right now. Well, um, if you would drive this car from here to here, we'll pay you some money. I'm like, what, what do you mean drive? They'll just drive it, take the car, drop it off there, and you know, go hang out, have a dinner, a couple of days, whatever, and um, just drop it off, and we'll pay you to drive it. I was like, I'm not, you know, what's what's in the car? And like, well, you don't need to know about any of that. Well, I ended up saying no about. Two, two times, two, three times, I said, no, no, no. But now, you know, my cell phone's about to be cut off. The girl that I'm dating, her friend ends up calling me, not even her, her friend ends up calling me to break up with me to tell me she doesn't want to be with you no more. That's crazy. So now, now I'm just hit with all these all emotions. I'm, I'm not having any money. The girl I'm with doesn't want to be with me. My mom is struggling. She needs help. I'm just now at, I, things are not going right for me. Yeah. So... I eventually made contact with that with that those people, and they I said, "Hey, is that driving job still available?" Um, they said, "Sure, just we'll get back to you when the time is right." We wait a few weeks or a month goes by, and they contact me. They say, "All right, you ready to go? Get in the vehicle, 
drive from here, drive it to there, and you know, we'll pay you ten grand. And I'm like, I, I was at a loss for words, but I said, really? And and at first we, I just kind of laughed and joked. I said, I'm not killing anyone, right? I'm not driving a dead body. <laughs> and they said, no, 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 just, just all you're doing is driving. The the less you know, the better for you anyway. And I said, yeah, you're right. And you know, at this point in our life, we we saw Scarface and we seen all these other movies and. You already know I'm already now I'm living a movie. I'm living a movie literally. So that happens. I, I drive a vehicle, successful. I come back. I get a brown paper bag, ten grand, and now now I'm hooked. I just yeah. made ten oh, grand yeah. in, in three days. Yeah. Three days, four days. So now I'm like, all right, I'm back in it now. Give my mom a little bit of money. Put money on a down payment on a BMW. Got a Rolex. I, now I'm left to like fifteen hundred dollars now. <laughs> now I'm back to not having it. So I'm like, when's the next drive? We got more work to do. Where else do I need to go? So now I'm calling for it, and eventually they got me back. Yeah, do it here. Do this. Drive it off there. So now, now I'm hooked. Now back again. I yeah. just made ten grand, and the next trip another ten grand, another fifteen grand, and and I got up to twenty five thousand dollars for a trip. So now you're hooked on it. Now you just made a hundred grand like that again. Yeah. And now I'm not working. And I'm it, just driving around in a flashy car. And at some point, you still wanted more because there was an, uh, a bigger offer. There was a bigger offer. For sixty what sixty five thousand or 60, something? Sixty yes. Yeah. I put that in the book there. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, yeah, there was there was a lot of discussion of of you know bigger stuff coming yeah. down the pipeline, and I was like, wow, man, I'm. Okay, so I see where I'm so they now. eventually let you in a little closer. They let you into the the houses where the cars ended up, and you got to see a lot of the inside it stuff. It was a movie, and 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 yeah, that's exactly what it looked like in the movie. But eventually, one night, you're driving back. So tell us about that night. So because that night is the reason you live in Oklahoma. Yes, <laughs> yes. After a few years of all of this, a lot of chaos in between. Pulled over a couple of times, almost got carjacked. And you had a story that you were supposed to, a protocol that you were supposed to, to write your cover story, right? When yeah. You get pulled yeah, over. Yeah. You know, you're just Bi a business. Yeah. We, we, you know, had a whole plan. college student here. <laughs> hanging out with a girlfriend. Yeah. And, and then we used it every time. Yeah. And it worked three or four times because we ended up getting, I, I think I got maybe two tickets yeah. and got pulled over about four or five times over the course of maybe two years. Um, but that and night, that there was something different about that night. <laughs> One night, on the way back, coming off the turnpike, you know, from Tulsa to Oklahoma City, and I forty, and now all of a sudden, you know, there's there's police cars behind me. Yeah. You know, it, this is like maybe two in the morning, three in the morning, and I'm just driving down the highway, and I didn't think they were gonna pull me over. I just thought they were behind me. That happens a lot. Well, they ended up putting on their sirens after they followed me for about 10 minutes, you know. Sirens pull over to the side. <clears throat> they, they asked me, do you know why we pulled you over? You know, at first, you know, you already know, oh, like yeah. movies, license, yep. registration, please. Do you know why we pulled you over? And I said, no, sir. They said, you didn't use your blinker to, to, crop, to change lanes. I said, what? <laughs> okay. I'm, you know, I'm not going to argue with them. Um, have you been drinking, sir? I said, no, sir. I was just hanging out with my girlfriend over here. Uh, I don't know if I was, what's that OU or OSU in that area? I, I said, no officer, just hanging out for the night and, you know, headed home, just trying to get back. You know, that's, it's kind of tough. It's two in the morning and yeah, on the highway that cover now. Story straight, yeah. yeah. So 
you know, they they say, well, you know, may we check your vehicle? And I'm like, sure, you can check it for anything you want. And I'm on the highway now, and not even in five minutes, two DEA cars pull up. Just boof, boof, big SUVs, you know, uh, look like, you know, Cadillacs or Suburbans or whatever. And um, then they pull out the, the smelling dogs. And this, like, this all is just happening, like, just fast. Wow. Just, you pulled over. License freaking registration. Out yet? Are you, have you started no, freaking out yet? No, 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 no. I'm just cool and calm and just... Thinking this is going to be just like the last couple last times. Last four times, yeah. last five times. But I had never been pulled out of my car. Yeah. And they didn't forcefully pull me out. They asked me to get out. I said, sure, I got nothing out. You can check it all. And I'm up on the hill with one of them, and they're checking the car. And the dog doesn't hit or anything, okay? But he reads me my rights. Handcuffs me, says, Cruz, you're going away. Hmm. And I'm in silence at this point. I didn't know what was going on. So this part gets a little crazy, and I don't put it all into the book, and we're, see, we're going to see how we put the movie, but they took me to an abandoned warehouse. All right, I think that's a great time to end part one. What do you think? <laughs> Are you upset? You want to know what happened next? All right, well, listen, it... His story is amazing, and I cannot wait for you to hear the rest of it. So make sure you tune in next week to hear part two. One thing I do want to remind you, uh, what Abe said was the mindset of champions starts with God first and you second. And, and I'm telling you, man, he's right. He's right. Every time in my life that I've put myself first before God, thinking I can do it, I can, I can make the changes myself, I can carry the load, I can pull my weight myself, I can pay this myself, it's all me. Ooh, that's a bad mindset to have. Mindset of champions, God first, you second. Hey, listen, um, that's all for this episode. Again, we're going to leave off with him being arrested on the highway in Oklahoma. And I can't wait for you to hear the second part of his story because it is amazing. Hey, y'all be careful out there this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, listen, don't drink and drive. Don't, don't, don't drink. <laughs> but if you're going to drink, be careful. Uh, but have a happy Memorial Day weekend. The best way we can honor the memory of those who died in service for our country is to um, lift them, their families up in prayer but also just be grateful for everything that we have in front of us this weekend, whether it's our family, food, friends, be grateful. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit forgivenfelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.